humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact with the internet. My name is Caitlin, and joining me, as always, is one half of the Curse Mark Ruffalo fan club, one Jessica Cogswell. It's been a bit since we've used the titles. I missed it. <laughs> I know. You're being addressed by your full, your full name. <laughs> by my full name, yes. Uh, Keeper of Mark Ruffalo's. That makes it sound like I have them like locked in my basement and only yeah, let them out to do not, movies. No, but... your full your full name is one half of the Curse Mark Ruffalo fan club. One Jessica I know. Cogs I just wanted club. a fancier title, you know. Keeper of sounds very important. Anyway, it's an important uh, I'm job. just happy that Mark made it into the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also joining us, we have a very special guest. Uh, Kenneth Shepard from uh, Fanbyte and various other places around the internet is also here with us today. Hi, everybody. Ah, oh, fuck. I should have said Norman DFM because that's the one you're famous for. <laughs> well, I mean, fuck. that is the one that, you, that is the one I like to promote because we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Norman DFM, where you can support independent podcasts. Yeah. Also, I was Hell on it. Yeah, I'm going to be on can. it again. Yeah. Oh, Jess was also, also on it. We've both yeah. been on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's also a Bioware big slaps. Hell yeah. Except for well, recently. Old Bioware slaps. Except for recently. They less so now. <laughs> so when are you guys gonna be covering uh, Anthem? Uh if there's a Patreon goal for it, if somebody is like if people are hungry for that content, they know how to get it. Listen, after I appear for uh, Awakening, people are either going to be very invested in your show or never listen to it again. Uh, well, that's the risk <laughs> we're willing to take. Aw, that's love. Yeah, solidarity. <laughs> Letting somebody on your podcast, even if they're just going to tank it. Solidarity for the monster fucking amongst us all. Thank God. I deserve this, honestly. Gamer love. <laughs> Queers to stick together. Is. No, it's called it's called being gay. <laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing tonight, Ken? Uh, I'm a little sick. Still recovering from Pack South, which like I haven't been to an event in like a really long time because I like I went back to school around 2016, and this was kind of my first foray back into that. So not only did I get mm-hmm. Pack Spots, but it hit me like a truck. But I'm on the upswing, which is good because I wouldn't want to sound like I'm totally dying on this podcast. Well, you sound great. <laughs> Thank you. I try. It's I I feel like I got sick back in like December and I still cannot get rid of a cough that I have, so you're in mm. good company. <laughs> Down with the sickness. <laughs> oh uh, uh, uh. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh on this show we talk about video games, yes. <laughs> so they tell me. I suppose. <laughs> um so tonight. We're so Ken uh suggested this topic for us when he filled out our lovely podcast form, which is somewhere on our Twitter. You can find it. I don't know. I'll link it in the show notes, I guess. Um But it was a topic that I was pretty intrigued by, uh, with the idea of just like as Ken put it, the experience of being a person who writes about representation in the industry and how it is both extremely good and also extremely bad because gamers be gaming online. Um, which I think is a pretty accurate uh, way to phrase that. So we just kind of wanted to, yeah, like talk about what the work of like talking about representation is 
um, in this industry and like how it can be good, but also kind of isolating. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Ken, do you want to kind of kick off with what you've been thinking about? Yeah, I think at the time I had written something and, you know, somebody was on Twitter adding me just like with their deeply, deeply regressive opinions. And when I saw this and I was like, okay, I know the folks at Uppercut, this is like sort of a thing that they probably deal with as well because that is a lot of stuff that you guys put out. And it's something that like I, when I originally started kind of shifting in that direction of something that I wrote. It's like kind of like a pillar of the work that I do on the internet. Um, I think I kind of knew what to expect going in, but it wasn't necessarily like super apparent until I started to do things that got a little bit more recognition outside of, you know, like the circle of the people that I was writing with. And, you know, and that just kind of came after like years of finally like learning how to pitch and work for sites that, you know, one would actually pay me worth a damn. And then two also like had the followings to kind of, bring in both the supportive people, but also the less than supportive people, I guess. Um, Because I've been doing this for about six years now, and the first thing I ever wrote along these lines was in, like, 2014, and uh, it was about kind of, like, self-discovery through the Mass Effect series. And um, that was, you know, a a no-name site that, like, it was a volunteer site at that point, uh, and you know, I got a lot of support from, like, the people that I was working with and, like, my friends that actually actively read my stuff, but it was still, like, in this sort of bubble of not really being, you know, around the internet at large, we'll call it. Um, And then I got, like, maybe, like, a month or so later, I got a kind of a more, like, a a bigger taste of that because I had written about uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, the, uh, the side quest that Dorian Pavis has, which is basically like a magical take on conversion therapy and yeah so and that that gained the that got the attention of david gator who was at the time uh a writer over bioware and who basically had said beforehand that dorian was kind of like this sort of like pet project for him like this character that meant a lot to him so he like i shared the article and he saw it Shared it out to his followers, and that was when I got my first taste of, like, people outside of my circle seeing my work. And I got, you know, there were the occasional, uh, let me, let me rephrase that. There were several people that were, like, super supportive of this, like, yeah, this is great that somebody's writing about this. But then I got the people that were, like, you know, being intentionally obtuse, like, oh, it doesn't matter that Dorian's gay, it matters that he's a good character. And I was like, great, thank you for your insight, sir. And so... That was about the extent of it for a while, and then about a year or so later, I started, you know, actively pitching, and I wrote for places like Pace Magazine, and uh, specifically the one that uh, kind of, like, popped... The first thing I ever did that really popped off was uh, a story about Persona 5 um, being sort of, like, going back into my teenage years in high school when I was still in the closet, or at least my family I was, and, like, having to deal with these sort of very heteronormative expectations set upon me. Like, things as simple as Persona 5, like, having, like, a character be like, oh, you like that, You like, do you like those girls you hang out with? And I'm like, that is very reminiscent of, like, you know, a closeted teenager's parents trying to kind of, like, force their perception of these their, their own child on them. And that was one of the things that, like, you know, it got me a fair amount of attention from people that, like, I really admired in the industry, and, like, it was one of those things where I got, like, 
verified people from outlets following me and I was like, oh, there's like people, there are people out there that really respect this kind of work. And I would get, you know, reader messages as well. That was like, I'm really happy that somebody wrote about this because at the time, you know, Persona 5 is in a tongue bath online and this particular issue is not being addressed elsewhere. And then that was also the point where people got like, like one thing, like adding Pace Magazine, like Kenneth Shepard should be fired. I don't work there. So I don't know what you think they're going to do to me. But that was also, like, that was kind of the start of, like, this is something that I clearly, I guess, like, I have a knack for. Like, this is something that I catch on to that a lot of people don't, and that voice and that perspective is necessary. And not clearly not only is it going to, like, you know, get me paid, but also, like, people that are looking for this kind of discussion about games, will they will flock to it. It is something that they are hungry for. And, uh, and, you know, so that was, like, 2017, and that has been sort of, like, the, like, the ground zero of this really, really becoming a major part of my work. So, in a sense, like, it has been really gratifying, because it has been something that I kind of, like, I can reliably get work for, because, like, people, I've, I've got, the, you know, the portfolio that people realize I'm authority, an authority on the subject, but also, it can be... It, it can also be very frustrating because I don't, or at least not in a lot of scenarios, like I wasn't getting the same reception for more general work. And that, that was something that we talked about like in the, in the notes here, that it's easy to feel like you can get pigeonholed into that stuff, as important as the work is, and as important as like the reactions of, like, this was inspiring to me to see somebody else writing about this stuff and caring about this stuff. There is a sense that, like, and it's something that I kind of struggled with for a while that like I didn't like feeling like I was only going to like I was going to be very pigeonholed into this so yeah that's my that's my origin yeah. story I guess <laughs> no it's I, th I think that's a really good starting off place and it's really interesting to kind of hear your personal experiences with that um and as far as what you just kind of finished up with saying, it's like, <clears throat> that reminds me of, and this is kind of timely, but Caitlin, like a few days ago, you just, you just tweeted about, um, literally basically, yesterday. <laughs> was, yeah, I would say I, it was like, literally, I, I knew it was a couple days ago. So yesterday, um, about like being basically used as a token, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on, on certain, like, I don't know, podcasts or, or like in written content, but like basically when there's a diversity requirement you're picked just because you kind of fill right. that role and you can talk about that subject. But at the same time, it completely dismisses the idea and the truth that being a certain identity completely changes how you see everything. Mm -hmm. It changes exactly. how your life has been lived. Like, at, like fundamentally at your core, you are a different person. And I know um, even Bless said like a few days ago or like maybe last week, <clears throat> Blessing, uh, formerly of OKBC, is now on Kind of Funny. Um, but he was talking about how, like, when you're like, oh, I, you don't see color, mm. what mm -hmm. you're doing is completely pretending that that experience, like, in, in being a different color, being a person of color, mm. doesn't shape the world that you live in. Right. And it's just stupid. It's ignorant. Um, and it's frustrating having to play that role and just be the person you go to for, you know, oh, we're talking about a queer game. So, you know, you're gay. Come on. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's yeah. not that's not it. Like, you should be able to talk about everything and and incorporate that perspective into everything just like you know how that identity is incorporated into your life yeah like 
I do really wish that Monty could have been on this episode. She unfortunately had work yes. stuff. Because um, obviously she has a different perspective on this too. Um, yeah. And I also worry about tokenizing her on the site <laughs> a lot. Um, but like, yeah, it's, I was, I, that whole tweet thread actually came from um, me being a little bit annoyed because um, I frequently, I feel, am used in podcasting space in our circle as the, oh, look, there's a queer person here, especially because, like, I'm gay and I'm non-binary, and I think a lot of people, like, are like, oh, look, this person checks off, like, a a couple boxes, (laughs) you know? Like, oh, and they've got, like, a vaguely not-white last name, so, like, who knows? Um, I'm like, it's just frustrating, yeah, because then those same shows, like, won't invite you on when they're looking for guests actively. Um, cause you know, God forbid if you're not talking about gay shit, mm. um, which is deeply frustrating. Um, and it kind of shows that like, yeah, like people don't value us as like, or like not all people, but like, you know, like there are people out there who are definitely willing to like embrace you for woke brownie points, but like, aren't going to bring you on just because like they think that you have valuable opinions in general. Um, and it's fucking annoying. Um, and also it applies to like work too. Like, like Ken and I both have written for gaming and like a lot of the time I'm like, is this the only site that I'm going to get picked up on? Like, cause I'm a, an obnoxious loud gay. Like, is that, <laughs> is this just where I'm going to be forever? Like, not that there's anything wrong with gaming, but like, you know, you always want to expand your portfolio or whatever. Right. Um, and it's like, I can, I, I know, like, I, and to be fair, I did build a brand on queerness, like, Uppercut before was your geeky gal pal, and it was very centered on, like, queer shit and gaming, but it was because I felt there was a dearth of that, at least in the spaces I was inhabiting, and I wanted to see more of it, but, like, I can talk about other things, and I have. Right. We do, on the site, all the time, um, and so it's frustrating. Right. I feel like I said frustrating so I mean, it's a, it's an apt word. And it's not even that, like, like you said, it's not, there's nothing wrong with like writing for places like gaming, like say, spaces that are very much dedicated to that kind of work. But it's it can be frustrating. Like, say you're working with like some editors, and like they are very receptive to queer stuff, but you kind of get like a dead silence on anything else. And that's you know, some of that can be explained as like you know, being an editor is a very very hectic job, and some things just fall through the cracks. But when it becomes sort of like people are more inclined to listen to you when it's about that stuff but if it comes to other topics they're kind of willing and sometimes eager to fall back on the default which is usually a straight white dude because i mean i would like to talk about you know fairly standard stuff as well like i don't need to like if i want to write about the like a current overwatch meta i would like to do that and not just have to be sort of seen as a go-to person when it's about queer characters and representation in overwatch yeah and it too this is like maybe a little bit of a pivot but i was just thinking it reminds me too a lot of like the shit where um natalie from kotaku um when they posted that editor position Mm. um she had said like hey it'd be dope if like other queer people and other people of color would apply for this because since you know like gita and patricia and all of them have Mm -hmm. left like there's a dearth of that there now um and there was one dude who was, like, going off about right. it, and he, I think he was that, like, 
he runs some blog or some not shit anymore. That people are like vaguely aware of. What? It, it closed down now. Oh yeah, it's. But um, yeah, like people were like he was going off about like oh well it should be the best mm. candidate and like saying this is like discrimination right. or some shit like that and like. It was ridiculous, but it's like people have such the attitude that like anyone like literally like just including marginalized people automatically means that it's like tokenizing mm. in the other way, and two that like straight white dudes who are cis are like the standard, and like asking for anyone who's not that is like discrimination. Which is extremely fucking ironic. As if, like, the the reason they don't get this job is because they were looking for more diversity. Like, that is the reason they didn't get this job. That is the reason this job was taken from them. That is what they believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's like affirmative action rhetoric bullshit. Mm. Which is ridiculous, because again, like, yeah, when you look at the demographics of the industry, like... Well, it plays into that whole idea, too, that I, I talked about earlier, where, like, people just fail to recognize that being of a different background mm -hmm. makes you a different type of person. Um, and so, I don't know, just saying, like, the best qualified candidate, it's, like, it's it's just ignorant, mm. you know? I right. I think it's just something that people fail to realize, even if it's not something, like, with malice, even if they think, oh, yeah, like, this this seems like it's unfair. Like, it's just... It's just people being stupid, right. <laughs> you know, and, and not having compassion or understanding for people who have lived different lives. Right. And I, it, so when I went back to uh, to university, I had been working in games for um, two year two years or so, and at the time I was probably like the only person in sort of like the group of people that we were all kind of progressing through the journalism program they had at the same time, and we all were in a, uh, a reporting class that was I mean it was straight up it was the teacher was a very old straight white man who. Had there was like a point in the, like the curriculum where he wanted to give you know a speech about diversity initiatives and said that people are looking like the way he phrased it was by saying that you want diversity you are what you mean is diversity in skin color or orientation but not in thought and that again is like it goes to what you say like there's an ignorance to what it means to come from a different background than the perceived default of straight white man because. When you say diversity of thought, you probably, or like to, to a straight white man, that probably means conservative versus liberal and not somebody that has, like, say, like a queer person that has lived through various forms of discrimination and self discovery and just seeing the world through like a completely different perspective. But they're like, why? Do, but to them, that means you want somebody that thinks the way, they, they believe that it's somebody that thinks the same way you do, but just happens to look different. Mm. Mm hmm Ugh. Yeah. God. <laughs> That's just this bringing, like, war flashbacks of, like, Colin Moriarty shit. I'm, not, I'm just thinking about all that. Oh, mm. God. Because <clears throat> that was one of the, his things, right. was the whole diversity of thought. And, yeah. Yeah. Fucking remember his... <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you remember his shit with Danny O'Dwyer where he was like, I think that hiring a white dude from Ireland would be more <laughs> like diverse than hiring a black man from America because everyone who lives in America is the same. <sighs> yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Fucking dumbass. Uh, 
No, and like there, there was something that we were kind of talking about a little bit ago that I wanted to touch back on, and we we're you're talking, Caitlin, about how you have like that frustration with feeling like you're pigeonholed, and like, am I only going to be able to write for a gaming magazine? Um, and and kind of the frustration with that, and it's not even because like gaming magazine's not a fantastic space, but it's just, you know, I think, Amy, I love inc- you. Shout out to you. Yeah, you're great. <clears throat> you're my favorite. Yeah. But um. I think something that's frustrating is that when you're pigeonholed into a niche and you only exist in that sphere and your audience is only people who already kind of like know you and, and have that message, um, you feel like you can't Mm -hmm. reach different kinds of people. And like, you would think that the burden of responsibility would fall on these bigger outlets to do more than just bring you on for one thing. And like, okay, yeah, we have a, a gay person here today to talk about life is strange. Mm. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, and, and that's like the bare minimum for like what happens, but it's like, you don't see these huge outlets, these people who have like all of this power and reach and, and voice, like taking on people and, and putting them in roles where they can participate and like have a seat at the table. Right. And that's mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating because it's you just feel like you can't get anywhere if you, and, and you don't want to. And this is another thing that I've had issues with, too. It's like you can't die on every hill because, first of all, that's exhausting. But at the same time, you feel like if you're not, you have that guilt, right? And, like, who else is going to do it? But at the same time, if you are the person who dies on every hill, even though it's, like, just that's exhausting in general, but you also have to deal with, like, am I being too loud? Like, am Mm. I going to turn people away? Um, Am I going to miss opportunities because I'm known as the person who will reply back to somebody when they're being shitty? Right. You know, like, yeah. am I doing the right thing here? Am I sticking to my guns or am I being a nuisance? You know, and like, you kind of have to weigh that constantly. Um, and that is also exhausting, you know, and sometimes it feels like the people who kind of keep quiet and, and can be positive and, and all of this shit, like they're the ones who can kind of get ahead. And it's frustrating because you're like, yeah, well, I don't want to cave. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't well, want to drop, you know. Yeah. It's fucking respectability politics. Yeah, exactly. You have to play nice. You have to play the game. Yeah, like, it's 100% respectability politics, and it sucks. And, like, I've been thinking about this a lot and struggling with it, because, like, on the one hand, like, I get why people do it. Um, Like, I feel like I can't really be mad at, like, folks of color or queer people or whatever who, like, want to be palatable so that they can get ahead so that hopefully, like, more people can like more people coming up can see a black man at a big Mm. outlet or like a trans woman or whatever. But at the same time, like that kind of thinking doesn't help shit actually change. Like it's just incrementalism bullshit. So I don't really know what the answer there is. It sucks. And another thing to kind of touch on, touch on is that um, it also like when you, you know, primarily write about representational issues, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of like you have a portfolio that kind of speaks to this specifically, so there's a perception that that is all you can do. And I know, like, I mean, I won't name names, but I've heard of conversations that have happened at big outlets about specific queer writers that has been about like they're great, but they can only write about their identity, or everything that they write falls back into that. And I was like, that's not true. That's just a matter of like opportunities can be given to somebody because. I'm sure the, you know, th- these people, like, you know, we all would rather be able to, like, write about this, but also not feel like 
that's all that we're valued for. Well, that's just, like, a a fucking ridiculous argument anyway, to be honest, because, like, writing about – being vulnerable and writing about, like, your personal – journey or, mm. or your illnesses or or your life experiences anything where you have to like put blood on the paper in order to like kind of get out what you're trying to say that's so much harder than doing an interview right. or a review in my opinion right. so to be like oh they write this shit so they can't do this work that's just a bullshit excuse also like if i'm good at writing about being gay i'm probably just good at writing right like like i realize like i make lots of jokes about being dumb and illiterate but like <laughs> Again, if I can do an okay job writing about, like, why the horror elements in The Missing are dope with combined with puzzle platforming, like, I can probably do other shit. Right. Um, it's just, it's fucking annoying. Um, two, the other thing that I wanted to touch on, like, based off of something that you said, Jess, was, like, I think focusing on the big outlets is obviously super important because, you know, they, like, shape the industry and shit. But I'm also frustrated because, like, we do run in smaller content creator circles. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, at least with podcasting, are the ones who do this shit to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and to all of us, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it is small, well, smaller uh, content creators who will bring me on for being non-binary and have a whole episode about that, but then won't reach out for general guesting. It is those kinds of outlets that when I make a tweet, or not outlets necessarily, but you like, you know, creators or whatever, who, when I make a tweet saying, if you're going to talk about The Last of Us 2, you better have a queer woman on, and I'm the only one they know. Mm. Um, like, and maybe I should stop agreeing to do it. I don't know. Um, no, I've, I don't know I've what, hit the, up, what the I've right choice there is. very intentionally just because, like, of having a mental illness. Like, I've been hit up. Yeah. I've literally had people DM me. And it's, like, there are, like, graceful ways to handle it. And I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But there have been a few times when people have invited me on. And, like, the way they phrase it is, like, really shitty. Oh, wow. It's, like, hey, so I know you struggle with this and have problems. So, like, would you want to talk? and i'm just like yeah sure (laughs) like you know it's like it's yeah it's just it's it can be kind of weird and uncomfortable right you know and like mm. and i think part of like caitlin you were talking about it's the smaller outlets who do this shit i think part of that is there's like this like invisible ladder (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like you want to be reaching for the people who you think are higher up on the ladder so it's like people are more excited about promoting a white guest from a podcast or um a show that's bigger a white male guest i should say you know that's from a podcast or something that's bigger than where they currently are more so than different voices right and i think that because of the reach yeah yeah like for clout all for that um I think to to touch on what you're saying, Caitlin, about, like, maybe you should not do it. I feel like there's always going to be a part of me that's like, if I don't do it, if I don't do this, how can I trust that this topic is going to be discussed in, like, a way that is going to be kind of more all-encapsulated in, like, in terms of, you know, like, a somebody that doesn't have, like, a whole lot of experience can be like, oh, that sucks, or maybe won't mention it at all, but I'm, I can be the person that has the knowledge and the know-how and, you know, the experience to really speak to something. And I think there's always going to be that part of me that's like, 
for one thing, like I mean, I think we need. We, it's worth reiterating here that we all for, we all love to talk about and write about these things. These are very important things that we are glad to be voices for in this space. But I think there's always going to be a part of me that's like, if I don't do that, then who's going to? And because mm-hmm. you know, we always in a lot of these cases we have to take the initiative to be the ones that go for these stories, that pitch these stories, that have podcasts like this mm-hmm. that address this issue. Yeah, it's just it's that that burden where you feel like you have that responsibility to explain, to constantly be vulnerable, to constantly um, be the person who's kind of going out on the front lines, right. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's, it's hard. And I, I want to also echo like that. It's not like a begrudging thing. You know, I'm never like, man, I wish that I never talked about like being bisexual or having, you know, BPD or whatever. Like I, I do like talking about that. And I love that like uppercut has this community dear uppercut listeners who are listening right now um that is just like incredible and we've gotten so much so many messages um from people you know who really care about the work that we're doing and that feels so incredibly good and we have our discord server where everybody is constantly chatting about different things in their lives and i love it like i i would never for a second be like oh yeah i wish that i i hadn't right. you know talked about these things and created and fostered this community because it's per- it's wonderful but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like too, part of that, like, bur- like, like that burden being placed on us or us willingly taking it up, whatever. I feel like it also kind of like reinforces this idea that like, if you talk to one person from this experience or identity, like you nailed right. it, you covered it, like, which is not true. I mean, we saw that with all the discourse around that attack helicopter story that came out last week. This week, I don't know. Time's fake. It was so. It was basically like this. This trans woman wrote a story, and I didn't read it. I'm not fully caught up on it. But she she wrote a story about like, like kind of satirizing the attack Mm. helicopter, like I identify as attack helicopter joke or whatever. And it was mixed with, it was met with very very mixed reactions Mm. from a lot of trans folks, like, a lot of trans folks were like, this is harmful, this is shitty, this is awful. A lot of people were like, no, we should, like, be allowed to make messy art, whatever. Um, And that's, like, an entirely different conversation, but, like, even within, like, that, like, one community, like, one thing can be so different. I mean, that even happened with me when I did one of the Last of Us podcasts I did, like, they had another friend who had, like, recorded a message for them, then she was, like, a, a different queer woman, who was like, yeah, I think it's fine. I'm, like, totally down with right. it. It's cool. It's whatever. Um, and so, like, I feel like in that instance it was good because there was more than one perspective. But, like, yeah, I feel like it kind of contributes to that whole, like, idea that, like, any one community is a monolith. Right. Like, right. when it's absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it's especially when, you know, we are in, when we run in these circles and there's so much overlap. And, like, Caitlin, like you said, you're constantly picked up as being the non-binary queer person. <laughs> And so it's like when you're going on these podcasts and just kind of, you know, like not to say that you don't have an interesting story and interesting perspectives, but like you're one person. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, there's overlap in what you're saying. There's overlap in your stories and your opinions. So like all of these different outlets, even if they have different like if they have the same listeners or different listeners, it's just kind of the same thing. You know, it's not there's not an expansion. Yeah. And like, honestly, like this is a problem with non-binarism in general but like we don't always need to be hearing from like cute white non-binary people like 
just spread that shit around. You know, there's there are people mm-hmm. of color who are also non-binary and trans and shit. Like there are queer people of color. Like it's just and they're out there. They exist. We know them. <laughs> and I tell people like, hey, like I can give you racks and stuff, but also that kind of sucks too. Well, it's like, did you see that whole and like? Ugh. I like some of the people who were on it, so I don't I don't like shitting on it, but at the same time, it's ridiculous. But, like, it was, like, that future oh, that, gaming panel. Yeah, and, and it was all fucking cis white was, people. Yeah, it was all cis white people. There was, like, it was, like, three girls and, like, five guys or something like that, but just all, all white, all established in the industry, like, no, like, up-and-comery type people, no... <sighs> yeah. yeah, it was bullshit. It sucks. It just really sucks. Right. And so, like, kind mm-hmm. of, and like that's that's a whole pillar of the issue, in in one way. But on the other side of like the the fence, there's as we're trying to sort of like you know grab our colleagues by the shoulders and shake them and be like, I need you to understand these things. We've also got like you know the readers and listeners that are always actively kind of pushing back about the necessity of these things. Because, like, I... So, when I got, uh... What, what, yeah, it was when I wrote that Overwatch piece uh, for Polygon, you know, I got several emails, even... Like, nobody nobody reaches out to me on, on email, but this happened. And it was, like, from several, like, uh, gay dudes, and they were like, hey, this is huge, thank you so much for this, and, you know, some... Uh, some allies as well just were like, I'm really sorry that you went through these things and I'm really glad that you're bringing attention to it. But then you also have, like, you know, people that are like, why does this matter? This doesn't, like, especially in things like Overwatch where that's, you know, an eSport and people are more concerned about, like, the the competitive nature of it. And they're like, what does Soldier 76 being gay have to do with anything? How does that fix any of this game's problems? Why are you giving attention to this? And, you know, I've got, over the years, I've gotten really good at letting that roll off my back. But there's also... When you hear something enough, it's not a matter of, like, I believe what they're saying, but there is a sense that, like, everything I'm doing is only chipping away so much at, like, this giant brick wall. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, there's a... It's one thing to have, you know, your colleagues, like, not understand, like, the lengths that everything kind of needs to go to to hear true diversity in the voices and the stories and the perspectives that we have when you've got, you know, these people that I wouldn't say that everyone in the industry listens to like, you know, the most toxic, awful of readers. But when you see that something that you have taken, you know, the extra care that you have, the diverse voices, therefore is negatively received, it might make you more hesitant to really delve into these topics. Well, because it's just, like, discouraging. Well, and I think that it ties into, like, what we've been talking about, though, where, like, if, and I hate the word normalization because I think it has a nasty tie to, like, politics that I think are bullshit, but, like, if there were more visible people of color and queer folks and trans folks and disabled folks, you know, like, all of the, like, if there were more marginalized folks who were centered in the industry... Like, I don't think it would be as easy for people to be so shitty because, like, like, again, like, it wouldn't be, like, a norm in the way of, like, oh, like, everybody's the same. Like, I don't Mm. care if you're purple or green or whatever. 
But, like, just in the way of, like, if these, like, like the, if these places are taking a stand and saying, like, hey, we do have actual diversity, we do embrace, like, different kinds of people, and, like, that's that's valuable and that's important, and we're not just tokenizing people for their perspectives on their marginalization, like, I think that would do a lot to help. Um, and, like, yeah, like, I think just, you know, having, and I mean... The industry's better, like, it's getting yeah. better, like, there are a lot of, like, queer women and shit, but again, a lot of them are mm-hmm. white, and, like, now that Gita left Kotaku, Natalie's, like, the only black woman there, and, like... Yeah, like, I had to, like, I was having a conversation with some people, uh, in, like, one of the packs, and talking about, like, you know, how, like, I mean, even in, like, the roughly six years of me doing this, like, there's been drastic change, like... But also, we were talking about, like, in major outlets, you can count the number of queer men specifically, like, on maybe one and a half hands. Like, it wasn't... And it's, like, there's, like, a very specific type of diversity that a lot of people go for. And not to say that there's anything... Like, not to say that that's, like, not a plus, because, like, it is very important to have those perspectives, which is, like, we just said, usually queer white women. But you gotta go... You gotta keep going. Like, you can't just hit that one checkbox and be like, okay, we're done. We're good. I just, I feel like <clears throat> there's such a, people have such a hard time grasping that we want our media and our workplaces and the things that we consume to reflect the reality of the lives that mm-hmm. we live. We not just being the white cishet man. You know what I mean? Well, and it's like, the lives that they live too. Like they yeah. interact with us every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it's, but it's, you know, honestly, I think that it just comes down to a lot of people are, like, blind or dismissive of people who aren't like them. Mm. So that's part of it, too, is it's just, like, even if you you knew somebody who were trans or, or gay, there are so many people, like, it, they have one friend who they know who went through that or a friend of a friend, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, this is nor this is more in like, like, cause I used to live in Missouri. Right. And like, that's like the, not, not to be mean or whatever. I'm not going to be, you know, some West coast elitist or whatever, <laughs> but like, um, get yeah. out of your ivory tower, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, but like I've lived in rural areas of Missouri and stuff like that. I've lived in a lot of different places and yeah, I mean, in some areas, it's predominantly white and um that's the kind of the reality they live in and people don't break away from that and see like actually the world is not like that you know it's like so it's it's i don't know Mm, i mean i keep saying it but it just kind of comes down to ignorance It's frustrating. It's it's a hard topic to talk about, you know. It's it's very tiresome. It would it would have been cool to have Monty on here, um, because I feel like Monty would have a lot of really cool things to to say about everything right. too. Yeah, we'll probably do like a follow up, um, with her at some point because I think her perspective on this would be very dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But that's what happens because content, <laughs> and yeah. also we have lives. Yeah. So yes. Monty has a, a big girl job. Yeah. And what you're saying uh, is on more like a granular perspective, but like even having just come back from Pac South, the, the world that people on the internet think exists, even within this industry, is not the world that actually exists. Like going there and like not even mm-hmm. 
just like, cause, like they had like you know very specific uh, areas dedicated to diversity, but just like looking at the people in the crowd, like straight white men are, men are not the only thing that exists in this world. They are not the only people who are here in this industry that like are playing games and talking about games. It was, I mean, it was um, kind of amazing to see, like to always have that, you know, like because we we live very much online. It is the nature of our jobs and what we do, and it is nice to like. Mm-hmm go to a place that, you know, a public place where everyone is convened for this thing and realize, yeah, like, we're not kidding ourselves when we talk about these things about how important diversity is in an industry that is flooded with it. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know how many times, like, we have to pull up the statistics, but it's like, uh, like, half of the people who play video games are women. (laughs) Um, You know, I... I think that it's like 20 or something percent are um, Mm -hmm. Latinx. And yet there, I think that, I think what is it? Like Latinx gamers are the least represented because they play the Mm -hmm. most. And there's like, and and then like when you do have representation, it's like shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, and it's like, I could pull up all the statistics and and, and read them off during this, but I feel like I don't need to because people can kind of Google that and look into it. Yeah, I think we also had it in the episode that we did with Blessant, George. Yeah, that doesn't surprise. Yeah, because it's it's just ridiculous, though. It's like people, people have this like stereotype of a gamer, and this even exists. I mean, I work at a game store right now, and it, it's just it's like people see somebody who plays games as a seventeen year old white straight dude, and like that's that's what a gamer is, but that's not the reality of it, and that hasn't been the reality for a really long time. Yeah, it's. It's some fuck shit. <laughs> it is some fuck shit. I don't know if you've noticed, Jess. That's my new. That's my new word. My new it's term. a good one. I have. I have noticed that fuck shit had come up a bit more in conversation. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I got a brain worm now. That's okay. <laughs> fuck shit. Fuck shit's a good one. Mm. Are there are there more things that we wanted to touch on with this? Were there other frustrations or? You know, I actually okay. I I have a direction to mm. kind of take this to end things on a positive note. What what are some positive things that have come about for you know being? I don't know. I don't want to say like the faces of this because that sounds like very <laughs> like inflate like self inflating. But like I don't know, like like taking this up and and doing this and and talking about these things. Hmm. I I mean, over the years, like I said, I've gotten emails and messages and like a fairly like. I mean, I don't have, like, a huge following, but to, like, the the people that follow me trust me on these issues, and, you know, like, people, like, Persona 5 Royal is coming out in two months, and everyone's like, I want to hear what you think first, because you, you are a known quantity of, like, people that will address the issues about the original game that I had, and it, like, in spite of all my feelings about, you know, feeling pigeonholed or something, it is nice to know that I've got a body of work that people know that they can come to me to give a reasoned perspective on why this is good or bad for my community. And, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. all like, you know, again, like all the issues aside, like it's something that I enjoy doing a lot. Like in the moment, like if I, it is something that very, mm-hmm. comes very naturally to me, like anything that I've written on like a queer issue, know that I wrote it in like an hour and it was very easy and it just, flowed out of my fingertips so mm-hmm. all things considered it has been a positive for me and i'm 
gonna keep doing I'm gonna do it until I decide to stop caring about video games at all, which will probably be when I'm dead. <laughs> or when we arrest you for being a gamer, Ken. Oh no. <laughs> I, I I was I was I was gay and I did a crime. That's true, but you did a gamer crime, so It's a whole new level. Gamer crimes are not cool. <laughs> Mm. Um, I need to tweet that quickly. Um, Game of crimes are not cool. I think for me, it's been cool getting the messages from people like in our Discord and privately who have said like us and me existing loudly has allowed them to be more comfortable mm-hmm. and to have the space to think about who they are um, in ways that they we're not able to um like honestly that's that's extremely fulfilling and like dope and part of why i wanted to do this in the first place right um and so and to like it's get like like running ygp made uppercut possible which gave you know us the room to talk about other shit like mental health and like to let monty talk about like internalized racism and colorism and stuff like that and hopefully like getting to do more of that work down the road and like leveraging you know the privileges that we do have to hopefully try to keep making things a little bit better um so that shit's dope um also i got to give out business cards at pax west that said stupid and gay so that was pretty good (laughs) true what about you jess i see i feel like i I, I've really only kind of written stuff about mental illness, <laughs> which is like I'm trying to think of it, and I, I guess that's kind of what I pigeonhole myself into because I feel like a lot of my stuff's very feelsy. Um, but I remember actually, uh, Natalie Flores, um, oh, who shout yeah, out a right? queen, like a queen. a queen, an absolute queen. Um, but she's written for like Paste, um, gosh, a, a lot of places. You know who um, else she's written for? Uppercut. Us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did too. I forgot um, to mention but that. But no, this is actually, yeah, this is actually about our game of the game of the year stuff. But I remember I wrote my Fire Emblem game of the year piece, and then like a week later, Natalie released her piece on Life is Strange Two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I said that, and then I was like, "Wait, was that was the one for?" Okay, I was making sure. Yes, that was us. I read it. It was very good. <laughs> um, yes, Jessica, welcome to our <laughs> website where we publish good articles. It was very good, but I remember reading it, and I shared it, and I commented, and I was like, "Natalie, this was amazing." And then Natalie responded like, "Oh, thank you so much. Like, I I used your article um a lot as kind of a reference because I wanted to invoke the same vulnerability as you." And I like. Wanted to cry. Talent standing <laughs> oh, talent. That is the sweetest thing. I know, because I was just like, because like I think Natalie's an amazing writer. Like I have I have a writer crush on Natalie. <laughs> and also just a just a regular crush. Because Natalie's amazing. Just a person um, crush. Just a person crush. But Natalie is like a great writer. And so mm-hmm. her saying that was so reaffirming. I was like, oh my God, somebody thinks I'm vulnerable and like uses my writing as like a, a guide to kind of having that with themselves. Like that's super cool and i've gotten that a few times from just like various people you know being like oh like you know when when you kind of reveal your messiness and aren't afraid to like talk about it that makes me feel like i can talk about mine and like that's good let's just all be messy (laughs) all right easy there tiger (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Good stuff. I just want everybody to be kind of living their lives and, and happy. So. Yeah. Let me come on your podcast <laughs> to talk about Battleship Brigade, coward. <laughs> yes. That's what uh, this is actually about. Yeah, that, that's really the whole reason this topic was brought up, is Caitlin is just pissed that no one... I'm fucking furious constantly, yeah. because I have not gotten to talk about Battleship Brigade enough, even though I was on a podcast that was only about Battleship Brigade. I, I love the concept of that, though. I love the concept that you would be petty enough to pick this whole topic, this whole <laughs> complex thing, just to be like, fuck you guys, bring me on your podcast, you assholes. I mean, that's kind of what it was. Like, not about Battleship Brigade specifically, but, like, there was an inciting incident to this that I will not go into. And, like you waited a whole fifty-one minutes into the recording to mm-hmm. say it. Like there, there's some self-control there that is really impressive. Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Oh, and I thought yeah. of something because this is my. You want to know the one moment I had where I was like, I don't know. I don't know the right word for it, but Caitlin, you know, when I was going through it, and I won't say tons about it, but like writing that Catherine review last year, mm-hmm. I wanted to write that review. And I was the only woman at the site um, who, who worked for the site who was, who was going to do it. And it was, it was a complicated situation because, I don't know. I mean, if it's, I'm not going to go super into it because we're at like kind of the end of this anyway. And you could read my review. But I gave that game a 6 out of 10 or 7 out of 10, something like that, despite liking the gameplay and certain things about it because I was like, this game is really fucking sexist and transphobic. Mm-hmm. And that knocks like three to four points off of it for me because I can't, I can't do it. And there are some people who'd be like, well, that seems shitty because like, that's just a personal right. like issue you have. That's not the gameplay. And it's like, mm, but like the story is know. part of the game. Yeah. Right. Like, but the story is part of the game. And like, I think it's fucked up and I think that it matters. Um, so, and and I can I can do that. I can knock those points off if I think that it's it's treating a whole community of people like shit. Right. So that's that's important to me. But it turned into this whole thing about like, well, should there be two reviews? Uh, you no! know, and like, uh, I, we, I, I I won't I won't get. Into I'm gonna much go into fucking it. feral. We can't do this. No, we can't we can't do this. But it it was it was kind of hard because I felt I don't know. It's it's that whole thing of like sticking to your guns that I talked about earlier versus trying to appease people. And it's like, am I being unfair for, you know, giving this game like a real shitty score for its I don't, but like that's the thing is I don't even like calling it its politics. That's fucking that's stupid. It's how it treats people, which is more than just its politics. Like it's just fundamentally like that game, that story. Like I don't know. See, and that's the thing. I can't separate the right. two. Like if if that's how Yeah, because you, you can't. That's how art works. You can't. <laughs> you can't. And like that's the thing is people like to believe that you can do that and that's bullshit. Yeah. I had um for um oh god, it was it was a couple months ago. Like I wrote for Fanbyte a piece about um Persona Five, like as not just the specific Persona Five game, but like Persona Five is kind of like as it's like a sub franchise, uh treating mm-hmm. its physical abuse victim like a punching bag. And somebody can mm. came up in my mentions like, uh, then play something else, you entitled baby. If it doesn't affect, like, if it doesn't affect the game, if whether the game is good or not, then just shut up. And I was like, you do realize that this is all one encompassed thing. Like, it's not, 
Yeah, that's like part of what makes a game good or not, you dumb bitch. I, like people are so stupid. There, there's like a subset of people out there that if they could have all their games stripped down of all the assets and just have it be like Pong, like you get these little dots that walk around and do all the thing, all do all the things that you would do otherwise. Like you, you do a battle, you don't see it happen. You just get like you have these dots on both sides of the screen, and then the math happens at the bottom, and then it's over. Like people that I don't know how it doesn't. I don't understand how people are able to detach themselves from uh, like mm-hmm. a not even like an insignificant fraction of the game like and it's and it's, it's also frustrating because like there are so many people that are like okay if something is good then it's worth talking about if something is bad why are you ruining my fun why do you have to come in here and talk about this game mm-hmm. about like the things about it that don't matter but they matter if they're good they matter if they're going to get you that 9.5 yeah. on a review score that you can show to the other side of the fence and be like, ha, my exclusive game is better than yours. And it's, it, there, there's always going to be a sentiment around the work that we do that it is like the buzzkill the party. Like the person that is like, yeah. I was going to say, and then you get the asshole who sends you the picture of the, shh, let people mm-hmm. enjoy things. Yeah, it's like, it's, that's not what that means. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Did you did you guys see where the uh, the artist uh, he drew like a follow up comic that was yes. him like in the wilderness with that panel of the comic and like was putting it down like old yeller, old yellering it. So good. <laughs> the f- the funniest part about that is like since we've been to San Francisco, we now have a new writing at uppercut of uh, old yeller me. <laughs> so. Old Yeller that I don't panel know. of the comic. I think I was the one who said it, but I don't know. Was I hungover? Or no, I, I said know. it. Oh, you said it? Yeah, I don't remember. I we we like I don't. This is it dumb. was it was some dumb. Stuff. We, I don't we even were know both how. being stupid, and one of us was like, "Oh yeah," like I think I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll take you out back," like Old Yeller, and you were like, "Yeah, <laughs> Old Yeller me." Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But anyway, so now Old Yeller Me has become uh, part of the uppercut vernacular. Nice. So, uh, But yeah, that's, that's the best part about that. <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah, yeah, what were we even talking about? God, now I'm just thinking about Old Yeller Me. <laughs> oh, God. And it was, it was it's good an, stuff, it's too. It's a good verb. It's a good it verb. It is. It was like good stuff that we were talking about, though, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to say this thing." And now, like, literally, yeah. only well, we were old talking about the like le- the let people enjoy things. Yes, bullshit. Yeah. Um. But oh, I remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's the same people who are like, "Oh, I don't keep, I don't follow politics, or mm-hmm. I don't care about mm-hmm. politics, or whatever." And it's like, yeah, because it doesn't impact you. Mm. <laughs> and it's the same thing with with games, like the people who are like, "Oh, I don't really care if they're." they're black or purple or whatever i don't care if they're gay it doesn't make any and it's like yeah because because it doesn't make a difference to you yeah because you don't give a shit but there are lots of people who do and maybe you shouldn't be that (laughs) self-centered yeah like i i'm having like a war flashback of a conversation i had in a discord server where i was trying to explain like why supporting colin mortiarty and this was before he went, like, fucking nuclear with how shitty he was. Yeah. Um, But, like, talking about, like, how support, like, why supporting him was, like, being bad to your, like, women and mm-hmm. queer and people of color friends. And this person was like, well, I just, like, like the podcast. I don't really, 
like, focus on, like, his politics or whatever. And I was like, yeah, because you don't have to. But, like, we don't have that luxury. Like, you're talking yeah. to, like, a queer person, a Jewish person, and a black, like, a couple black people. Like, we yeah. don't have the luxury of not, mm-hmm. like, thinking about this and having it impact us. And so, like, it's bullshit that because it doesn't affect you, you don't care. Because, like, you mm-hmm. claim to care about us. It's, it's pretty fucked. It's some fuck shit. <laughs> it's some fuck shit. Uh, I keep doing this. I keep thinking of things that I want to say, and then I completely lose it. You keep like a notepad next why. to you, just like jot down like the one word. I really do. Because like, because the, yeah, there was something not. else that I was going to say about all this, and I think it was important, but now I can't remember. <laughs> hmm. Well, I guess we'll never know. Well, no, like you'll you'll remember in the middle of the night and fit right up. And yes. Oh, I almost had it, it again. Server. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see. I'm just gonna text Caitlin in the middle of the night and and be like, "Hey, this was the thing." It's <laughs> fine. I'll be imitation corpsing, so I won't see it till the morning. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Either of you have anything that you remember? I think I'm. I think I'm good. I yelled a lot, so it was a solid hour of. It was like a yelling. Final. Yeah, oh that's God, usually what the so show mad. is. It's fair. <laughs> Jess, did you lose it? Are you? Are you done? I think I lost it. I almost had it because I was like, it was like a final thought that I had. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I honestly can't. I swear to God, I have. I have had water and apple juice today. <laughs> I, Sometimes that's all it takes. I, I have, yeah, I don't know. Just is out here on that toddler diet. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, no, I mean I've had food too, but you know, like that's I'm I'm not drinking. It's just it's just put water and apple juice. But apparently that apple juice is hitting hard. <laughs> that apple juice hit different. <laughs> I need to go get some some Teddy Grahams. <laughs> oh, babe. Uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us this time. Ken, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find my work primarily at Fanbyte. I'm the Wicked Reporter over there, doing a lot of stuff over at gaming as well, with Gaming with a Y. And uh, you can find me laughing at my own tweets over at Shepherd CDR. And also, I'm like I I host a weekly. It started out as a Mass Effect retrospective. It's now a Dragon Age re- retrospective. So we kind of bring it down to a Bioware retrospective at this point, uh, over at Normandy FM on Twitter at Normandy FM show post new episodes every Wednesday, noon Eastern. Um, unless you're a patron, then you get them early, meaning in the middle of the night when I finish editing them. <laughs> it's, it's a good Damn. show. It says my unbiased opinion. Also <laughs> ours, uh, our unbiased yes. opinions. Oh, also three thumbs <laughs> way up. Um, and Jess, where can people find you? You guys can find me uh, on Twitter at Jessicogs, J-E-S-S-A-C-O-G-S. That is where I live. And I write over at Uppercut. And if you listen to this, I'm sure you know that. <laughs> so check out my writing over there. <laughs> yes. Uh, when yes. this releases, we will have plenty of Jess writing up. So, Yeah, like at least two at least things, two things probably <laughs> maybe three who whom could who say knows? 
Not us. A we, number of things. We don't have a it's content a- plan here at Uppercut. <laughs> we thrive on chaos. We um, just do what feels right. You can find uh, Monty, our Missing in Action BB, at Fried Monty on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at CG and 8 rs and say it's eight hours. That's the number. Because like generally, if I ever have to like tag you, like when you were when I was putting up the tweets for uh, your only FM episode, it was like I'm gonna hit as many hours until the like the <laughs> the suggestions no longer show you. So that's, <laughs> it it's worked. Yeah, it's eight. Yeah. It's eight on Twitter and like nine on Twitch and like seven somewhere else. I don't know. It's fucking <sighs> stupid. Anyway, uh, Palin Around is a product of Uppercut. Which you can find on all social media. Uh, that's actually not true. Our Instagram is not this. So you can find us on Instagram at uppercut underscore crit and on Twitter at uppercut crit and at uppercutcrit.com. Uh, if you want to hang out with the Uppercut crew and all of our various friends, you can join our Discord server. The link is in the show notes. And if you like the show, please be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Um, and if you really like the show, you can donate to our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash uppercutcrit, like our fine Patreon producers did, who I'm going to read now. Uh, so we have Abnormal Mapping, uh, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Andrew Rivera, Brendan Clark, Carlos Mejia, Chris Nelson, Colton Crow, DJ Kento, Jared Shu, Cam Koenig. Matthew Flowers, Mikey Phillips, New, I'm sorry, I'm going to learn it. I swear to God, I'm going to learn it. Phil Villar and Quentin Hoffman. Yeah! Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> Y'all um, are the best. Dope. If you want me to read your name and probably butcher it, uh, give us $7. I um, will talk about your less. biceps. No, that's sexual harassment. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I will not talk about your biceps, except for that one time that I talked about our our patron's bicep. Unless you consent to Jessica talking about your biceps, <laughs> that's just a whole different tier. God, we gotta include that in the Patreon producer thing of question: Do you consent to just talking about your biceps? I can't. All right. So is this ending? <laughs> Yes, the podcast. I need more apple juice. Goodbye. (laughs) God. Goodbye. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. Hi, I'm Marn. This is the Argonauts podcast. Each week, I'm going to try and solve an old defunct ARG, and Marn's going to tell me what I should have done instead. That's true. Marn, what ARGs have we covered so far? So far, we have covered Spectacular Organic Frog Fractions 2, Sexy Girl Max 2019, and This Is My Milwaukee. And that list is only going to continue to grow. Yep. Come check us out every other Thursday on the Orange Groves Network. And you can find us at ArgonautsPod.com. Bye.